through chapter 2, verse 17, and we're going to read through chapter 3, verse 5. And this is what the Bible says. You have wearied the Lord with your words. I'm going to just let that sink in for a moment. You have wearied the words with your, with your words. But you say, how have we wearied him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord." Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old as, and as in former years. That's where we're going to stop today. I'll just go ahead and give you a preview. That way you can plan for next Sunday. Next Sunday we're going to be talking about money. All right? I know people don't really like to talk about money, but we're going to. We're going to talk about money and generosity and offering next Sunday. And I want to give you that now. That way you can't come in next week and be mad at me because I talked about your money habits. All right, let's get it out of the way now so you can fully prepare for next weekend. But here's what we see in Malachi's day. The people have wearied the Lord with their words. And they are saying over and over and over, and it's almost like the Lord is getting tired of hearing that they continue to say these things. Everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or they are asking, where is the God of justice? So let me catch you up to speed where we are. We are roughly 400 or so years prior to the birth of Jesus. Remember Haggai, and we read about the temple being rebuilt after it was destroyed. The Solomon's temple, the big beautiful temple was destroyed, and the Israelites were taken into captivity numerous times, and they were exiled, and they they, they were brought back, and then they rebuilt the temple. But they rebuilt the temple, and it didn't look as good as it once did. It wasn't as big as it once was. It wasn't marvelous and, and made of all of this beauty like it once was. So here they are. They've come back from being held captive by other countries, but they still find themselves lacking. They feel like the temple isn't big enough. The temple isn't good enough. Where is the presence of the Lord? And, and they also find themselves in oppression, and they constantly are telling the Lord, we thought you would have given justice to these people already. We thought that you would do bad things to these people that do bad things to us or bad things to you. So what these people are saying here is they are getting tired of seeing people who oppose God be blessed and have prosperity, yet they feel like they lack. Well, they feel like they are missing out. And it reminds me of the day we live in. You and I live in the day of immediate, don't we? Immediate. See, I feel like Satan started in the garden with, with a piece of fruit from a tree. And now he has this little square app with a smiley face. And its name is Amazon. And I feel like that was his way Now, I'm not saying that Amazon's from the devil. In a way, it is. Because in a way, it's actually made our minds to believe that everything should happen immediately. You know, we order it, and it should be here tomorrow, and then we get mad if it's two days. 
where our two-day prime no longer is offered on all things. We have to wait a week or so. And what's happened is we are looking for immediate gratification. We're looking for immediate results one way or another. If someone does me wrong, I want them to be punished when? Immediately. If I do something good for God, he should bless me when? Now, immediately. We have a very poor understanding of God's time, and it's because we live in such a rapid-paced society that, you know, I've said it before, McDonald's fast food line was so slow they had to make two now. Now there's two lines. Or, or if you go to Chick-fil-A, you don't even order at a thing. They run to you. You know, like you're pulling off the 110 onto Chick-fil-A's parking lot, and they're sprinting to your car with their little iPad, and they're taking your order. And, and as soon as you get to, I mean, we live in such an immediate type of society that we don't understand God's timing. And these people are, are just like us. They want God to punish these people now. They are wondering why all of these people are still getting blessed, and it seems like God's on their side and against his own people, and they've come back. They've rebuilt the temple. They've, they've done things that he has called them to do, but they do not see him move immediately. And don't we find ourselves there, too? We find ourselves wanting God to punish those people that have wronged us immediately. We want God to bless us because we came to church for a year and we had good attendance and we gave in offerings and we served and we want him to bless us now. I think we have a poor understanding of how God works. And we see in these people, where is the God of justice? Everyone else is being blessed. The people that are doing evil actually appear to be blessed by God. And here's what we also see, that In the scripture, Peter writes that God is slow to anger, and he actually wants all to come to repentance. That's really difficult for us to understand, that the people that have done us wrong could be welcomed back by God. I think there's a point in our spiritual journey where we look at people who have wronged us, who have abused us, who have harassed us, who have wronged us in one way or another, and think that there is a way that God could welcome them back. See, we want God to punish them now. We want those people to suffer who have made us feel bad or have done harm to us. We want them to suffer. And there's times where they may immediately be punished. There's times where you may do something and immediately be blessed. But our danger is we expect it all the time. We expect immediate punishment. We expect immediate justice for all the wrongdoers. And we expect immediate blessing. But Read in chapter 3, he says, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. In this first few verses of chapter 3, we actually see a messianic prophecy and of a messenger who will come prepare the way for the Lord. Does anybody know who, who that is? John the Baptist is coming to prepare the way for the Lord. John the Baptist comes and he's preaching in the wilderness and he's baptizing people and he's preaching, hey, you need to repent because the kingdom is at hand. And he comes to prepare the way for Jesus to step onto the scene. And and he's winning these people back to repentance. And and then Jesus walks onto the scene. And John has been preaching in the wilderness and preparing the way so that these people will be more receptive of who this Jesus guy is. And and then also listen to the message of Jesus, which was also the same message as John. Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. Repent, repent, repent. So what we see here is a messianic prophecy. But if you remember earlier, I said there was about 400-ish years in between these words 
and the birth of Christ. Okay, or you could go all the way back to like page two or three of your Bible, and you can read when man and woman really messes everything up. And we're talking, Jesus is prophesied about in the Garden of Eden, but it was thousands of years before this Savior, the Messiah, the one that would crush the head of our enemy, would actually come to the earth. Thousands of years. And I think that if we aren't careful, we'll live in such a selfish mindset that everything has to be done for me. Let's just think about the days that happened after Genesis 3 until the time of Jesus. We're talking thousands of years. Generations would pass on to the next generation that Messiah is coming. Messiah is coming. And they would all die in slavery. The people of Israel, they were enslaved in Egypt for 430 years. And then they wandered around the wilderness for 40 more years. And then we read about the 70 years of exile or this this period of exile, that period of exile. We read all through the judges of how God blessed them for 40 or 80 years. And then they lived in oppression and they lived in oppression. Then they were delivered. So we're talking years and years and years. So here's what we come to see. One is that God is always going to provide justice and blessing but it may not be now. God may not provide immediate justice to those who have wronged us, just as he doesn't provide us the justice as we wrong other people. Because as many times as others have wronged you, you also have to understand that there's probably been times that you've wronged someone else, or you've ridiculed someone else, or you have harassed someone else, or you have broken someone else. So thank God that he doesn't provide the immediate justice because we would all be destined to hell. We just took communion because why? Jesus came and he bore our cross. So if we want to talk about justice, we're all rightful recipients of his fullness and wrath and be destined to eternal separation. But God is slow to anger and he desires for none to perish but all to come to repentance. So that whenever we look at chapter 3, we see that Jesus and John the Baptist are actually prophesied about that wouldn't come up onto the scene for another 400 plus years as we have this intertestament period, which is about 400 years between the time of Malachi and the time of Jesus. So here they are. They are promised by God for what? That he will be, that he will be a, send a messenger to prepare the way before him. And that he also says that he will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming. He is coming. But who can endure? And then he goes on to say that I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness among the sorcerers against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired workers and his wages, against the widow, against those who are against the widows, against those who are against the orphans, against those who thrust aside the sojourner. And do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. That's what he ends with. He's saying that he is coming, and he's going to be coming like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. So here's what we see. God is not always an immediate God. How many times have you cried out to him with prayer? Day after day after day, and nothing happened. How many times did these people throughout the generations promise their kids that Messiah was coming? And they would die without seeing him. How many prayers have we cried that have never been answered the way we've desired? But here's what we do see. That in Christ we see both the fullness of God's justice 
and the fullness of God's blessing. So whenever we read in chapter 3 that this one is to come, we see the fullness of Christ. So whenever he came, he brought with him justice and blessing. So whenever we talk about a refiner's fire, the refiner's fire is bringing the impurities up and bringing the impurities out of the fire and out of the metal so that the metal can be a precious metal. We talk about a launderer's soap. I mean, think about what does soap do in your laundry? Cleanses it, right? It takes it and it cleanses it and it makes it smell good and it refreshes it. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. He came to separate those who would follow him and those who wouldn't. And he was bringing with him a refiner's fire. There was going to be an intense separation between those who truly follow him and those who just maybe cheer for him on the sidelines or have no desire to follow him. This is why Jesus said the way to, to life through the narrow gate is traveled by few. So he is bringing a true fire to separate those who love him and those who don't. And he's also bringing with him, like a launderer's soap, a purification for those who should be recipients of God's wrath. But through his blood and through the cross that he bore for you and for me, I can actually be refined. I can be cleansed and I can be washed whiter than snow and I can be saved from my sin. So just this past week, I was helping one of the girls with their Bible lesson that they do at home. And they had to read Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. And they had to write down some of the attributes they see in regard to the Son because they're learning about the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And I wanted to read this because whenever I read it to Obbs, and Obbs got the chance to, to discuss it, Obbs is a lot like me, though. See, I was a lazy student. In fact, I wasn't really a student at all. Um, if I didn't get it right away, I didn't like to spend a lot of time digging. So I pretty well had to answer this question for my nine-year-old, but I want to read this verse to you because as I was reading this verse in preparation for today, we see the beauty of the sun. So in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says this, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sin, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's what Jesus did. And that was prophesied about to Malachi 400 years prior. So these people are waiting for God to bring justice to the oppressors. and they're, they're waiting for God to bring blessing. But guess what? They would all die and not see it. So here's what I want you to know. There's times where God will answer your prayers immediately. And then there's times where the answer to your prayer will when you be to heaven. Or when you get to heaven. There's going to be times where there are people that wrong you and you just pray that they get the justice they deserve and, and they, they get it back and, and what goes around comes around. There's going to be times where people do you wrong and guess what? They are not going to receive justice until they stand before Jesus one day and he tells them, depart from me. So here's what we do know. In this life, we are not always going to receive immediate results. But we are promised that through him, Christ, that you and I will receive one of two things, justice and blessing. That in Christ, I will receive the ultimate blessing. Because here's the thing, there are so many Christians that we see sick and pass way too young. 
But if Christ only blesses us immediately, then we would all live forever. How many people do wrong and reject God, but then are richest people of the world? Or have it all figured out, and they appear to have everything that we desire. But one of these days, they're going to stand before the one that came. His name is Jesus, and he came 2,000 years ago to bring with him a refiner's fire to separate those who would reject him and those who love him. And then he also bring with him, like launderer's soap, a purification so that people like you and I could actually be cleansed from our sinfulness and by faith in him stand before him one day with confidence that we're not going to be receiving the justice we re- that we deserve. See, because in Christ, he also took upon himself the fullness of God's wrath as he was hanging on a tree on a cross... So that in, in First John, we read that if you and I confess our sins, that he is faithful and what? Just. He is faithful and just. He is faithful to offer us life in Christ, but he is also just to punish the son in our place. So in Christ, we see the fullness of God's blessing. We see the fullness of God's wrath. And we see the fullness of his justice. So these people who were longing for God to do it now, for God to answer now, for God to justify them now, for God to bless them now, for God to provide for them now, it did not happen. But he promised one to come. So here's what I want to end with. In Christ, we see the fullness of it all. And if you are here today and people have wronged you, they have abused you, they have harassed you, they have truly done you wrong, I want you to pray that God would do with them as he desires. Because if you got to make the decisions, we would all be in trouble. If I got to make the decisions, we would all be in trouble. And now the other part is this. We have to grow spiritually mature enough to know that those people, regardless of the severity of the wrongdoing, could also repent of their sin and be forgiven. Because just as much justice as you wish they would receive, you and I are truly recipients of justice if we do not choose to follow Christ. Even though we might be good people. I'm a good dude. I work. I love my wife. I'm faithful to my family. But apart from Christ, I am, in, I am also fully deserving of God's wrath. And guess what? Jesus will handle those people. So you need to pray for your heart if you are the one that's been wronged. Or if you're the wrongdoer, you need to repent and fix it. Or if you're the one that is praying that God would bless you, and it seems like every time I pray, he never seems to answer how I ask him or for what I ask him, I want you to know that there you might live the rest of your life and not fully be healed or fully see him answer your cry the way you ask him. But guess what? There's going to be a day when you stand before him face to face and you are going to be welcomed into his presence, and everything else will pale in comparison to his glory. Everything that you thought you needed here and now will be fulfilled in Christ as you are dwelling with him forever and ever and ever. So don't tell me, well, I've been, I've been asking God. He just seems to turn his back on me. No, no, no. You are going to be a recipient of the greatest blessing you could ever receive. So may we truly grow in maturity to know that our time isn't God's time. So today I want to end with that. I want you to consider the fact that people have wronged you. It's not your position to give them the justice you think they are a recipient of. 
And if you are here today and you are crying out to God for this thing or for that thing or for this healing or for that provision or for that blessing and it doesn't happen, first, do not blame God for rejecting you or turning his back on you because God's timing isn't your timing. And just because you ask three days in a row and we're good for three days doesn't mean we have deserved now for him to answer our cry every time we ask it. Just knowing this, that when we see Jesus as people of Christ, we will be rightful recipients and fully receiving his blessing. And for those that reject him and wrong us or wrong him and reject him, they will be fully deserving of and rightful recipients of his justice. His justice was paid for those of you and I who have called upon his name. His justice was paid in Christ, offering himself for us. And his justice will be served to those that reject him by destining them and separating himself from them for all of eternity. So it's not my position or your position to complain if we aren't receiving or to or to wish for, or to hope for those people to be justified or receive the justice here and now. Let's pray.